Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right, everybody, welcome back to the People First Than Profit podcast. I am more excited than normal, which is pretty darn excited about this week's episode because I am joined today by the incomparable Marley Jacks. Hi, Marley. Oh, hi. Hello. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm, I'm starting my day with you. What could be better? Not much. Not, could be, not much can be better from us starting our day together because you and I go way back. I'm going to take a few minutes to read your bio, and then we're going to talk about how we met because yeah. you are the queen of all things video. And it's been about 12 months since we had the pleasure of getting together and chatting. And so I want to tell little people about where you came from. And then we're going to ask some really insightful questions, educate the audience on something that you often hear that they're afraid of. And there's no reason to be scared. Scared. All right. So here we go. Marley Jacks from dialing in your company message to doubling down on video. It's no wonder that Marley Jacks breadth of knowledge has allowed her to become one of the top video branding leaders of our time. As CEO of the renowned and rapidly growing video marketing agency known as Jax Productions, Marley never ceases to deliver pristine quality services to her clients and inspiring authenticity to her audience. Now, before you started doing that for clients, you did that yourself. Yeah, that's how I discovered it was just making videos for myself to try to get more exposure and also to answer the questions that I was receiving all the time. So I should be like, here's the answer in a video. And then some of those videos really started to blow up. And then I was like, can I do this for clients too and give them the same results? Cool. Which is amazing because essentially that's how we become attractive audience members, uh, attractive uh, so that's really exciting because it's how we become the attractive character that people want to follow because you are a proof of concept for them. I want to teach you this thing because it worked for me. And by worked for you, I mean intergalactic stellar worked for you. And I said I wanted to talk about your journey. And so you can go back as far as you want, but I really want you to focus on the last 24 months because yeah. it's really, I mean, I'm going to use this word miraculous. It's been a miraculous 24 months. So let's, let's talk about your history and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Isn't that cool that you, you could never predict where you'll be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Like if I could just whisper in my ear two years ago and go, Hey, this is what life is going to look like now. That'd be pretty shocking or alarming, traumatizing. <laughs> you, you would probably tell yourself, no, don't be silly. Absolutely. And here you are. No surprise. Surprise. Um, yeah, lots of uh, business growth, personal growth, um, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, all of the things that I'm sure everyone can relate to that if you're not growing, you're dying and in, in some way, um, yeah, evolving into hopefully who you're meant to be. 
So if we go back five, six years, whatever the case may be, you started putting out videos to your point earlier to answer questions, to provide insight, to guide people that were asking you, oh my gosh, Marley, how are you doing this thing? And then two years ago, okay, you and I met, of course, through Russell Brunson, through ClickFunnels, through the funnel hacking community. And two years ago, which I hadn't met you, which makes me super sad, but in Funnel Hacking 2019, we didn't have a pleasure of meeting because there's 5,000 super energetic funnel hackers there. And I saw a video of you and Funnel Hacking Live 2019, you pointed at the stage and you said what? I said, I'm going to be on that stage next year. Not someday. Next year. Next year. So in 2019, you said next year, 2020 Funnel Hacking Live in Nashville, I'm going to be on that stage. Yeah. And then fast forward 12 months and what happened? It happened. Isn't that so cool that I heard this thing once that was like, when you are trying to manifest something like claim it and then expect it the same way that you'd put in an order at a restaurant, you know, like you, you tell your server, like, here's, here's what I'd like. I'd like soup and salad, whatever. And you're not like constantly checking in the kitchen of like, is it here yet? Is it arrived yet? Like you just expect that it's going to come. And in the meantime, you live your life and live it on purpose. So you don't, you, you weren't in this place of, I've got to, I've got to do this thing and I've got to check on this thing. You literally just said to yourself, I'm going to do the things that I know to do. And it's going to put me on that stage. Not so much. I'm going to do these things to get up on stage. It's, it sounds like it's, I'm going to do these things that are in my heart that I know I need to do. I'm going to serve my audience, serve my client. And it's going to put me on that stage. Yeah. I knew that I had to like, state it, claim it, visualize it. Cause, and then I would do that. I would imagine hearing my, my theme song, my, my stage song and walking out and seeing the audience. And then I, I don't, I think there is something about that visualization and bringing it to the present, but then, yeah, like, how do I show up in the right steps that lead towards this? Cause if you say that you're going to, that you want this goal, but then you do the opposite actions, like, I think there's a misalignment there. And so I knew, well, if this is what I want to get to, I need to keep showing up for this audience and keep providing value, not just to me, but to the ClickFunnels audience, to, to anyone that's part of this. Cause I think what Russell and ClickFunnels, like the, you know, the head honchos there that they're looking for is the, the integrity, the authenticity, and how does this serve in alignment with how they serve their people? So let's just take a hot minute to sit there because in the online entrepreneur space, there is plenty of opportunity for there to be a lack of integrity. And I think it's really important that we recognize that you call them head honchos. I love that. Uh, and Russell and the empire that he's created was founded fundamentally on nothing but integrity. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really interesting to interact with Russell, his leadership team, all of the people that he hand selects to present at Funnel Hacking Live to be a part of that production have always been at the highest levels of integrity. And mm -hmm. I, I absolutely adore that because it reaffirms the fact that it's not the industry you're in, it's how you choose to run it and what your core values are. So you determined, Marley Jacks, that you're going to do all the things that are in line with these values. And that was going to put you on stage. So you and I met in January on the two comma club X cruise. Can you believe that? It was this year, but it feels like years ago because it, of it feels like years ago and just yesterday when I think about it in my mind, it's, it's this duality, it's this competition. Cause I remember we were in a, uh, 
unlike most of Russell's events, which are open to all of his funnel hackers, this was a slightly more sort of intimate event, a couple hundred people, which still seems like a lot in a small room. And that was the first time I heard you speak. It was the first time I heard you talk about what you were passionate about. And I don't want to call it a dry run, but it was, it was sort of a entry into being a speaker at Funnel Hacking Live. It was a good little rehearsal. Yeah. And so you shared all this content. And I remember, I love telling this anecdote because we recognize that if you're in, in Russell's inner circle, you're a, a big deal in, in the, your own right. And so I was sharing photos throughout the course of the conference, this, this uh, cruise. And I remember sending them to you on the internationally accepted entrepreneurial uh, format of Voxer. I yeah. sent you these photos and you immediately wrote back, oh my God, thank you so much. Oh my God, these are so great. I want to sit down and chat with you guys. Who are you? What's going on? And I thought that was just so unbelievably, quote unquote, regular, kind, outgoing. And I realized at that moment that that was your core value. That was your moral fabric. Thank you. And that's really cool. (laughs) Come to find out that you're going to be a speaker at Funnel Hiking Live and we were going to spend a lot of time together. Yeah. Let's crystallize that moment. So you and I started chatting. I got your shirt on today. I know. I love it. I love that you're wearing that. Well, we're hundred percent team jacks and I love that. So what was that moment like? So you had a couple of days at Funnel Hacking Live mm-hmm. of all the conferences we photograph, the online entrepreneurial conferences are the highest energy, the most caring. I mean, the most dedicated people. So you had a couple of days of energy leading up to it. And then that moment comes, you're getting ready to speak to 5,000 hungry, eager funnel hackers. Yeah. What was that like? like best day of my life. When I have to think of a state of my mind, of my body, of everything, like that's the day that I go to because it was such a, it was such an exciting day. Obviously it had been a goal of mine and to, to reach that day and to feel like I did it. Like after I got off that stage, you know, sometimes when you do something big, you can kind of look back and think, oh, I wish I would have done this differently. Like there was not a single thing that I would have changed. And sometimes I even wonder how I got through it that it was 28 minutes, but when I had rehearsed for the first time the night before, I don't want to say the first time, like the first time in full in one sitting the night before my, my friend, Nikki, who was with me, she's like, are you almost done? Cause you're at 40 minutes. And I'm like, I'm not even like three quarters of the way yet. And so I was just like, okay, God help me. Like, we just, we just got to do this. Um, but it was, it was such an amazing moment also because it, it felt to me like a story of perseverance. And as much as I was just so thrilled to have all eyes on me in that moment, sharing value and giving back to this community, I also knew that there were people in the audience that had all eyes on me wondering, how is she going to get through this? Because three weeks before I had it publicly announced that my marriage ended mm-hmm. and that created a whole storyline outside of also just here, I'm stepping on stage. I'm going to share this with you. It was watch me get back up and, and I'm going to have this powerful moment in the most transitional time of my life. And I remember we were talking about it. I mean, you and I spent a lot of time together because uh, we met you and and your team of people uh, at Funnel Hacking. You had a whole crowd of people. So uh, that's another story. We could tell stories all day, Marley. I wish we had all day. Uh, You know, you had created your audience. You had them all meet you. You talked about what you were doing. You were giving of your time and talent there. And then we talked a little bit off and on as you led up to this talk. And you shared with me that your marriage had ended. You shared with me that uh, you had at one point thought about that moment coming off stage 
sort of embracing your spouse at that time. And uh, we had a, a moment where I said to you, well, this is the end of something and the beginning of something else in so many ways, oh, right? Yeah. The preparation for it and the execution of this speech to 5,000 people on stage, let's not undersell what in a momentous moment that is that you were preparing for. And then the moment you walked off stage, you were done with that, but it was literally the beginning of something unbelievable, right? And I remember you and I talked, you weren't going to embrace the spouse, but there was a mirror backstage. And there was that moment I said, just look in the mirror then, because instead of embracing that spouse, you you've done this despite what had just happened. And we'll share the photo whenever this podcast drops, because there's some photos of you backstage after that moment. And they are inspirational. They are, um, they're that they're what Emily and I love about photography. They created a legacy of that moment that uh, I'll never forget because I had the pleasure of capturing it. So and I'm so, so grateful that you captured that moment and I have it blown up and on a big canvas that's in my office. I don't know where to put it because I just like put it in front of me. I haven't hung it on the wall yet. But like that moment of me kind of like on my knees, my head in my hands, just kind of kind of praying, thinking, reflecting on that moment. And the fact that you captured that, I didn't even know you were there. Um, I just, I look at that picture as a reminder of if you get through this, you can get through anything and, and beyond. It's just the beginning of so much. And so let's talk about that. So it's the beginning of so much. You spoke to 5,000 funnel hackers. You continued on your journey uh, as, as basically the advocate for and the vehicle to create people's confidence about the impact that video could make. I mean, essentially, we're talking about the infinite video impact. And so why video? Video, and I think one of the reasons why I was so attracted to video is because as a kid, I, I was obsessed with movies, starting with Disney movies, and then, you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all the, the stories. And to be so captivated by movies and then to realize that you have the ability to create your own production. It doesn't have to be high tech Hollywood kind of production, but to tell your story and to reach people through a lens that, that you get to control that lens. You get to, you get to shape the story that's then going to shape the person who's watching it. Uh, and whether you're doing that through education or entertainment or humor, or comedy, whatever, um, I think that that's so powerful for people to connect with you, the personality to know, like, and trust you that gives them the emotional transformation to emotionally sell them before you financially sell them. Um, Cause I believe that as entrepreneurs, the transformation is in the transaction. You're, you're able to support this audience with however they're looking to have their lives changed. And when they trust you to be that person to change their lives. And if you can get to them, through video, which I think is the most dynamic way to connect with someone, um, that lasts. Like I, you can read a book and I'm sure everyone's had that experience where you read a page, you're like, wait, what did I just read? And you like have to go back and watch it again. Mm -hmm. But with movies, videos, you, they can make such an emotional impression on you Mm -hmm. that that lasts the memory and because memories are created from an emotion or from activating your senses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have, you know, nostalgia or it reminds you of something or, or it gives you, you know, goosebumps, that's what creates that, the connection. It's really, 
it's really much easier to share a narrative mm. through video. And as a proud communications degree holder, I understand the value of all of the things that you have trouble capturing mm -hmm. in the written word. It's not that you can't do it. It's just a very different medium. And yeah. so when you're on video, you see the person's nonverbal, you connect with them. You can actually look in their eyes. And even if it's not live, it's not spontaneous, there's still something there. And so I love that this is your choice of medium because you're very dynamic. You're very charismatic. You're easy to watch. And I love that you've tied in that video had an impact on your life as a child, right? And so you came back to something that was personally impactful for you. And I think the reason that's so important is if you're not doing something that you're truly passionate about, whether it be the message or the impact or the medium, then you won't finish because it's a grind. Right. Absolutely. It's hard work. Yes. And then one of the other things I just picked up from what you said, Marley, which makes what you do so critical is when we talked about the impact of video, we're not only talking about the impact it has on the audience that watches it, it has an impact on you as an entrepreneur because it can change your life. Yeah. Like it changed yours. So we're not even talking about like sort of the outward facing impact. We're talking about the inward facing impact. Yeah. It goes both ways. It sure does. Okay. So uh, I'm going to reorder the questions because we've talked now about the importance of video. Yeah. But one of the things you hear most frequently when people talk about video, and I hear it a lot as a photographer, and I hear it a lot because it's something that, that I struggle with is they say, I hate the camera. I hate mm -hmm. the camera. It makes me nervous. Um, video, no, I can't do it. So what do you tell your clients? I mean, you have clients all over the world and all levels of entrepreneurship, everybody from seven-figure uh, successful entrepreneurs already to people just starting out. What yeah. do you tell those people to get them over that hump of, I just don't like the camera. I just can't go live, whatever. A few things. And I've kind of whittled it down to their fear around the camera is time, tech, and talent. Um, and so a lot of, so let's start with like, what, what is that fear really? Why are you afraid of the camera? And the same people that say they're afraid of the camera are the same ones that, you know, they take selfies. It's not the camera. It's not the physical piece of metal and plastic itself, but it's the fear of um, being judged. It's the mm -hmm. fear of, well, what if I say the wrong thing? And then I, I look bad. It's the fear of stepping out of your comfort zone. So I think it's also really important to call that out to be mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, you're nervous, but let's turn that into that anxiety, into anticipation, because this is the first step towards the impact that you say you want to make. Cause let's also be afraid of obscurity. Let's be afraid of stagnation. And you look at people like Gary Vaynerchuk and he's one of the most, most filmed and exposed people online like he's always in front of a camera um when he had his family he was part of his dad's family business wine library he created a youtube channel called wine library tv and at the time there weren't that many people watching but he did a thousand episodes mm -hmm. to find his voice and now he's the gary vaynerchuk that you see today so you don't always get to see the ten thousand hours people put in to become the expert that they are today but you have to start somewhere and like uh Garrett J. White says this, like, at first you're going to suck and then you're going to suck less and you're going to keep doing it until you don't suck anymore. And to look at Gary Vaynerchuk or Russell Brunson or anyone as an example of they had to start somewhere and they were probably also scared of the camera too. And I remember uh, all of those talented people who have now reached unprecedented levels of success saying, the cool thing about sucking when you start is you leave that out there. 
And you can go back and look at it and say, look how far I've come both for personal growth and, mm -hmm. and personal encouragement. But then other people get to see you. The first time I saw Russell share his video, I don't know if it's really prominent online somewhere, but at Funnel Hacking Live and at some of his other events, he shares a video of himself selling to an audience of people. And the thing that really sticks with me because he makes so fun of it is at one point he, he kind of makes the pitch and he goes, I mean, who doesn't want a piece of that? It's and he, that. he puts his head down and he shakes his head and he thinks, who wants a piece of that? Like who says that? And then you fast forward a few years and probably a few hundred thousand hours maybe of him pr practicing and whatnot. And then he's in front of a stage of 5,000 people that would literally say, shut up and take my money to him because of Everybody. his... And everybody literally has such an unbelievable level of trust in him. It was actually on the cruise when he was sitting in front of 250 of his most loyal fans and followers when he said, hey, listen, we're going to talk about frameworks today. I want to teach you some stuff, but don't worry. There's no pitch. I'm not, I'm not selling. The collective groan that came out of that audience of people that said, please sell us something. We have money that we want to give you was very eye-opening for me of just what level of success he had reached, not fiscally, but in the hearts of those people to say, I don't care what you're selling, I'm buying it and I don't care how much it costs, I'm gonna find the money somewhere. So um, you are a cut of that same cloth and it's so awesome to see you on, on this mission. Um, so how about another tidbit about video? So you said time, tech and talent, is that what you said? Yeah, time, tech and talent. They think I don't have time to do this or it's, it's gonna take me too long. Um, tech that I'm not techie, I don't know how to use the camera, I don't know how to edit, all those things. Um, and then talent, like, I don't know what to say, or that person over there is already more famous than I am. So why should I even try? Those are the big things that I hear. And it's, it's funny, tragically ironic. Most of the things that you just mentioned are easily surmountable and actually make you more relevant and relatable if you just do it. So, uh, I remember the first time I ever went live was in March of 2019 and it was because I uh, just, I had a mission. I wanted to share some knowledge and I wanted to help other business professionals that are struggling and remembering all of the things that we struggled with. And I went live and it was like, I was about to go live on new year's Eve to millions of people around the world. I had built it up in my head so much. Mm -hmm. And then I finished it and I was like, I think I did okay. And this and that. And then I got some people saying, Oh, hey, cool. You know, it's great. You did this. Now, if somebody called and said, like, how do I go live? I, I say what I've learned from you guys. You just do it. Yeah. You just do it. You just turn the camera on. You share your message. You know, yeah. I, I say you have to hit a minimum level of professionalism. Don't hold the camera so it's up your nose. Don't have the audio be so bad people can't hear. But other than that, you just do it. Yes. All right. So you are also the first person to distill out and to crystallize for me that YouTube was very different than other social media sites. So share yeah. with the audience what that is and why that is. Well, because you said social media site. So let's let's X that right now is that it's not a social media site, it's a search engine. Mm. That's the biggest thing that people need to realize is that, yeah, you can post your content on there just like you do any other social media platform, but the unfair advantage is that it's a search engine. So when people have a problem and they need an answer to something, where do they go? to their moms or to Google and <laughs> Google is the largest search engine in the world. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. Google owns YouTube. So often when you type in your question into Google, 
it can also be answered in the form of a video. And the fact that that can be searched all the time, like when you do a Facebook live, how long does that last before it just gets lost in the abyss, drowns in the mm-hmm. algorithm? With YouTube, I have videos that I made in 2016 that are still at the top of the search engine. So when people type in how to use Canva or how to sell on Instagram or whatever, and they don't always have to be how-to videos, but you think of how are people typing this in, Mm -hmm. those videos show up in search engine results and they can find that video. It's an evergreen lead generation machine. So people are finding it all day, every day. And you made that video once. It's not like you have to keep showing up to it the way that you would on Facebook Live. And that's not to put down Facebook Live, but just there's different formats that you can take advantage of. And the importance of that is not to downplay Facebook Live, but they're two very different platforms that you use for two very different reasons, right? And it's kind of cool that you mentioned the Canva because I remember you talking about that. Or maybe saying, yeah, I've got this video about how to use Canva. Well, first of all, you were probably a leader in the market already back then because there weren't that many people maybe putting those videos out. Now there's a million of them, but you've already got the traction. You've already got the algorithm that knows this video is really popular. And so when people search the, let's say hundred new videos don't necessarily get the uh, acknowledgement from the algorithm as you do. And it doesn't matter that you're not, you didn't turn out to be a Canva expert because to your point that draws people to you and that creates a new audience member. And they're like, Oh wow, this girl not only does Canva, she has all these unbelievable videos about, how to present yourself, how to design your, your video profile. So basically I think the message for the audience that we could distill here is YouTube should be used as a repository. Like fundamentally you're creating content that people could search for years Yeah. and you have to SEO optimize and that's what your team does. So we'll just plug you right there. You have figured out some of the equation around how to make sure that when people do search for a topic that you, you, you're found and that then they can go on to become your raving brand fan. All right. So I don't like the word regrets. We talked about this. I feel like everything that we do, whether we see it as a mistake, whether we see it as something that we learned from or grown from or something we did perfectly brought us to where we are right now. Mm-hmm. But I do like to ask uh, folks on here, especially ones that have shown us not told us, shown us what it's like to grind it out and to have that crystallized moment and to go on to reach levels of success. If you could go back and tell yourself the previous self something, what would you tell yourself? Um, there's, there's definitely things and I agree with like, I don't want to have regrets because I'm happy. I'm so happy with where I am today. And there's often things that I can look at as like forking the road moments. Like what if I did make that decision? There was a, I, I, I think about this a lot just because I think it is so interesting that when I was 21 years old, I got Mm -hmm. fired from a job that I thought was my dream job. I was so excited about it. I got to work downtown Toronto and work with all these big names and celebrities and one of them, the, the men that we worked with, he was one that we put on our stage all the time, was this big international best-selling author that like has sold millions of books in all different languages all across the country. And he offered me a position to be his executive assistant and fly all over the world with him and get to work with all these big names. Like he coached Kobe and like presidents and things like that. What a cool experience. And I didn't take it because I instead had a family emergency and I just was in a very low place in my own personal development healing. I was grieving a family death and 
So I didn't take the opportunity and I often wonder what would life look like there? So there's those fork in the road moments, but I also think if that would sacrifice me not being where I am today, and I don't know what that looks like, maybe I'd be somewhere different than I'd also be happy with, you never know. Um, so I don't, I don't have regrets, but there's definitely things that I look at and think I wish I would have done sooner, or I wish I would have um, just uh, learned earlier than I did. But I mean, that's part of the journey, like things in business, like hiring sooner, firing faster, um, asking for help where you need it. And uh, even personal development in terms of therapy. Uh, of course, when my marriage ended, that was a big transition for me. And I did a ton of therapy this year, which I think a lot of people had the great and challenging opportunity to do this year. Um, and to to find blind spots or baggage or whatever trauma that you didn't know that you had, which also whenever you work on yourself is going to reflect in all other areas of life. Um, C. Larson says, my business will only grow to the level that I do. Mm -hmm. um, Alex Sharfin says, if you don't have the business you want, it's because you haven't become the person who can run it yet. Mm -hmm. And I love both of those quotes. And, and I believe so much in my own personal development. One of the things that Alex Sharfin really opened me up to is he he was talking about what he does as a CEO. And of course, it's being the visionary, being the face of the business, but a lot of it is also self-care and personal development. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can see that as, well, selfish, or I, I need to be hustling in these other areas. But when you have that, that's what allows you to have the vision and the, the growth and the activity that generates the revenue in the direction of the business. So that was such a big eye opener that I guess I wish I knew that sooner. I got to tell you, um, one of the things that I like to, to tell myself is if I had to go back, I would get more help earlier on as an entrepreneur. I, yeah. I, I grinded it out. And so if you're listening to this podcast episode, Marley and I want to give you the permission slip and the authority and the encouragement to get the help. And I don't care what that looks like. For me, I think back then it would have been investing money that I didn't think I had in the people that had been there before me to teach me the shortcuts. And that's not to say to not do the hard work, but not make that work quite as hard. There's a number of people out there that could probably could have said, Hey Don, listen, based on our five years being ahead of you, here's a few things that you can do that will not make it quite such a grind. I wish I had done that because I just always put my head down and just worked harder or invested the money in camera equipment or branding and marketing, never once thinking I should hire an expert or somebody that's been down this path already to help clear the way for me. And since you mentioned Stephen Larson, one of his favorite quotes of mine is he always says, you know, you shouldn't be competing against the others. You should be competing against yourself from yesterday. Right. And it's that personal growth that gets us to where we are. And the people that you've mentioned have reached unbelievable levels of success. And that's because um, the way in which I've tried to crystallize it was if you're not good to yourself, you're going to be very little good to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and on a group coaching call yesterday, I, I'm going to add this in. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but on a group coaching call yesterday, we opened the door to talk about vulnerability and the importance of being vulnerable and accepting that you have areas for improvement and showing and encouraging people to look at where their weaknesses are so that they can find strength. How do you feel about that? When you share your vulnerability, although that feels so scary, it makes other people, like you said, feel safe. It gives them permission to think, well, if they did it, I can do it too. Or I think a lot of reasons why people are scared to share or scared to be vulnerable is, is they think I'm the only person in the world that feels this. I'm alone in this. Mm -hmm. So then when you hear someone else 
that's going through it or that has been through it, you, you don't feel alone anymore. And you see the people that have done it before you, it shows you the path. I had someone that reached out to me recently and I didn't even know that she knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew of her, an influencer. And she said, Hey, I watched you as you went through your divorce and you did it so well. And I have another friend of mine who's also an influencer. She's about to go through one. She needs to rebrand, change her name. Can I connect you to be able to, you know, talk about your experience and, and, you know, support her in any way. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, please. Thank you for thinking of me. I wish that I had someone at that time and I didn't, I didn't know of anyone else. So I kind of did feel alone. And I actually, I, I talked to Russell. I talked to Alex being like, do I change my name now? Do I change it later? What do I do? And, but we didn't have a frame of reference to like funnel hack or how do you go through this? Mm -hmm. And so when you can share that and whether it's just sharing a perspective or, um, opportunity, it's, it gives other people hope and a story of perseverance that they can follow in those footsteps. So again, we can just distill out for the audience something that's so important to, I know both of us, it hangs on my wall behind me and it's something that is my driving principle and that's people first and profit. And Mm -hmm. you basically just crystallized the fact that you're not having an impact on people just entrepreneurially or just fiscally. You have the opportunity every moment of every day to have an impact on people's lives, their Mm -hmm. livelihood, their family, the challenges they're going through. I am so happy that that lady reached out to you and that she reached out as an extension to her friend, right? For her to help her. Um, That's what we need. And that's why I think relationships, relationship marketing, people first, why it's so important. People in your life will help you achieve any goal overcome any obstacle more than anything else, more than money, more than, more than anything. So thank you for sharing that story. Uh, Marley, I wrap up every podcast episode with a lightning round. Are you ready? Oh, oh fun. Yes, please. Okay. Favorite. Well, first of all, people might've picked up on it because you said a boot twice, but you're from Canada. Did I really? You did. It was very subtle, but you said a boot and you, and you mentioned Toronto. So you're from Canada. So one of my first lightning round questions is favorite Canadian things that we don't have here in the United States. Oh my gosh. Um, poutine, like, yes, you kind of have it, but poutine and beaver tails. I don't even know what either of those things are, but they sound amazing. You don't know what poutine is? No, I know Bob Evans. I think that's a restaurant chain, but I don't know what poutines is. Poutine is French fries with cheese curds and gravy. That sounds delicious and something yeah. I'm never allowed to eat. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So favorite things in the U.S. that you don't have in Canada? Uh, huh. It's because uh, I, uh, Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that came to mind. Um, better weather. Better, better weather. weather. <laughs> better weather. Okay. That's fair. And you're, you're now existing in Boise because that's where so much of your network is. It's not really warm there. So it must be real cold in Canada. I exist in Boise. Uh, it snowed yesterday a little bit here and people were like, Oh, it's like a taste of home. And I was like, nope. no, not even. <laughs> well, if you want to really feel like what, what the U S can feel like, come visit me in the middle of July when it's 127. Oh, I love that. Great. We'll, we'll set it up at the pool. You can do margaritas and videos yeah. from the pool. Yeah. All right. So favorite guilty pleasure. It can be anything, food, hobby, TV show. Uh, TV show for sure. Like I, I watch a lot of Disney plus documentaries. Mm, okay. Uh, 
like I love I love learning the the stories behind the storytellers. So as much as I love Disney, because um, mm-hmm. I guess also a guilty pleasure. The reason why I love it is because I'm studying the storytelling and the production of it. Mm. So you're looking at Disney from like the Imagineers perspective, from the directors and producers, you must be on fire right now because with everything Disney's doing with the Mandalorian and I mean, it's, it's remarkable stories. I'm kind of like you, the minute I attach to something that I love, I want to read all about it and see all about it. So I was a big fan of the Mandalorian and the fact that they released season two, researching back how John Favre got attached to it, how it came about. That man is remarkable. I know. Remarkable. I need a book on him. And I just absolutely love the fact that your guilty pleasure is still something that has to do with educating and inspiring you. And then by extension, your audience, it's yes. pretty awesome. All right. Favorite holiday tradition. Um, my, so my, my mom's side of the family is Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have an amazing Ukrainian Christmas meal and we have it on our Ukrainian plates. And so it's just beautiful, like red kind of checker things. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I love that. Awesome. We have a very, very close Ukrainian friend and her, we just love her traditions. They're beautiful. This one's a little less uh, guilty pleasure, easy lightning round, a little bit more serious, but I, I know you probably have something. What are you looking most forward to in 2021? Um, hmm. I'm really looking forward to like, we're, we, we've restructured the fulfillment of all of our services and courses and programs and things in the business. So I'm really looking forward to that because kind of like what I was saying before about what do I need to be as a CEO and also as a business, as an entrepreneur, as a, as an individual who is growing and and all about my personal development, I've restructured so that I just focus on creativity and coaching. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really excited to be more creative. And since a lot of my healing and therapy that I've done this year, I have realized and reawakened um, a passion that I have for writing poetry. Oh. So I want to do more of that. Poetryhacking.com. You should just go ahead and register <laughs> that right now. Yes. Awesome. Listen, Marley, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time and talent with us today. I know how busy you are. I know how valuable your time is. So by by way of myself and the audience, thank you so much for being here. If the audience wants to find you, let me rephrase that. Because I know my audience wants to find you, we're going to send them to marleyjacks.com. And your call to action is for you, for them to follow you on Instagram and YouTube. And that's not for you, Marley. I know that you would love that, but that's really for the audience. The the amount, the depth and breadth of knowledge and experience you share on those two formats is earth shattering. It's, it's, It's mind blowing. Uh, all right. So thank you guys for joining us for the People First Then Profit podcast. If you have any questions for me, you can find all of my information at peoplefirstthenprofit.com. Marley, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you. This is so fun. Thanks for listening to the People First Then Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First in Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.